Our text for today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, verses 13 through 21, and then we'll also be reading Colossians 3, verses 1 through 11. And you can follow along on page 7 in your bulletin. First, from the Gospel of Luke. Someone from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide my inheritance with me. Jesus said to him, Man, who appointed me as judge or referee between you and your brother? Then Jesus said to them, Watch out. Guard yourself against all kinds of greed. After all, one's life isn't determined by one's possession, even when someone is very wealthy. Then he told them a parable. A certain rich man's land produced a bountiful crop. He said to himself, What will I do? I have no place to store my harvest. Then he thought, here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. That's where I'll store all my grain and goods. I'll say to myself, you have stored up plenty of goods for enough for, enough for several years. Take it easy. Eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. But God said to him, fool, tonight you will die. Now, who will get the things that you have prepared for yourself? This is the way it will be for those who hoard things for themselves and aren't rich towards God. And from Colossians, Therefore, if you were raised with Christ, look for the things that are above where Christ is sitting at God's right side. Think about the things above and not the things on earth. You died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you will also be revealed with him in glory. So put to death the parts of your life that belong to the earth, such as sexual immorality, moral corruption, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. The wrath of God is coming upon disobedient people because of these things. You used to live this way when you were alive in these things, but now set aside these things such as anger, rage, malice, slender, and obscene language. Don't lie to each other. Take off the old human nature with its practices and put on the new nature, which is renewed in knowledge by conforming forming to the image of the one who created it. In this image, there is neither Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or, nor free, but Christ is all things and in all people. This is the word of God for all the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Back in January of this year, my husband Daniel decided that it was time to simplify. And that meant going through the house and getting rid of things that we no longer used. And that included the, the closet. It meant that we had to go through and look through all of our clothing. So we spent several hours on a Saturday afternoon going through our closet and we went through and we had to be pretty brutal about it. I would look at a sweater and I have to decide if I was gonna keep it or not. And what I would basically do is say, am I gonna wear this? And it's like, yeah, I think I will. Or 
No, I need to just give this up. Which I guess is my own version of Marie Kondo's comment, does it spark joy? This is what a lot of Americans are doing lately. Um, as I just said about Marie Kondo, she has a show on Netflix and that has caused a lot of people to basically go into their closets, see stuff they aren't using, and get rid of it. So on that day, we went through all of our clothing that wasn't for some reason sparking joy, though I have to admit it is hard to see that the pair of trousers that I brought, I didn't buy it because I wanted to be joyful. I just didn't want to walk around with no pants. But after several hours, we had bag after bag after bags of clothing that we didn't wear anymore. And our closet had much more room than ever before. And like I said, Marie Kondo's show is popular. Many, many people have gone into their closets to get rid of stuff and give it to Goodwill or the Salvation Army or Park Village or where have you. And of course, this is also pointing out an issue in our society. We have a lot of stuff. North Americans have so much stuff that in some ways it has become a business. I don't know if you've noticed, but if you've driven around anywhere in the Twin Cities, you have seen these places that are buildings that are going up that we find out are self-storage places. We have so much stuff that we have to pay to, hot, to put away more of our stuff. Now, this is not, just to let you know, going to be a sermon where I'm telling you that you have to sell everything and live in a yurt in Mongolia. But we do need to ask, what about all this stuff? Is it simply something for us to possess? Is it, or is it something more? And what does it mean as followers of Jesus that we have these things? In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is confronted by a man. And this man has a request. He wants Jesus to tell his brother to split the family inheritance. And Jesus is somewhat annoyed by this. He is actually in the middle of this kind of discourse. He's on his way to Jerusalem where he will be facing death. And this guy comes up and basically asks him to settle a family dispute, something that could be handled by a local rabbi. Jesus responds by basically telling this, this person that this was not his problem. But he uses this demand from this person to tell the proud not to place trust on your possessions. But also, I think, there's also a way here of talking about what is the, the relationship that we have with God. Because it's also interesting that this person, in some ways, is manipulating Jesus to get what he wants. And sometimes in our culture, we do that as well. We try to manipulate Christ to get what we want, 
instead of seeking what God would want from us. So Jesus decides to tell a story. He tells a story of this farmer, and this farmer has an outrageous, abundant harvest. And he decides to talk to yourself, to himself, which is a problem, and I will get to that. But he answers questions. He has a question. What will I do? And he answers his own question by telling himself that he's going to build bigger barns to store all the grain that he has reaped and enjoy life. So I guess the grain really sparked joy. Now, this is the problem. The problem, if you notice, is that he is talking to himself, which should tell you something. He is only thinking about himself. He is not concerned with others. And we know what happens at the end of this tale. God actually speaks to this farmer. He calls the farmer a fool because he has lived as if there was no God. He lives as if God does not exist or matters. Because if he was living as if God existed, he would have remembered probably what his rabbi taught him. Because he would have known that the law, and you can find these in the Old Testament, have many, many passages on how we deal with the poor. And especially in this case, when he had an excess, there are many things in the law that says that you should give that excess to the poor. But that's not what he did. He failed to take those texts to heart. He didn't care what God wanted. At the end of the day, he dies. And all of that accumulated wealth, all of that grain, is worthless. He was blessed with abundance, and he wasted it. John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, has an answer to the question question that the rich fool asked, what will I do? And Wesley says the following, he said within himself, what shall I do? And is not the answer ready? Do good, do all the good thou canst. Let thy plenty supply thy neighbor's wants and thou wilt never want something to do. Canst thou found none that need the necessities of life, that are pinched with cold or hunger, none that have, have not raiment to put on, or place where to lay their head, none that are wasted with pining sickness, none that are languishing in prison. In Paul's letter to the Colossians, he talks to the church And in some ways, while these two texts are not related, at least on first glance, in many ways they are. Paul is saying that when we become Christians, when we follow Christ, and especially how that may be influenced in baptism, we die to ourselves. We die to the ways that we used to be. Our Christian life is supposed to be a way that we are living that says no to the powers that can bind us, like greed. Now that we are following Jesus, we are to seek the things of God. And as it was listed 
all of these def definitely fruits that are shown. Jesus says that we are to be rich in God, and we are to call to live a godly life. We are saved by faith. But the only way that people know this is if they can see our fruits, if they can see a life that produces the fruits that, such as living for others, and especially to remember the poor. Now, I will say again, notice what I am not saying. I am not saying that we have to give up everything that we have. There is something interesting about that because we talk about how we would have to deal with as what, what they would say is self-abnegation. And you notice the word self is still in there. And that sometimes even that, that sense of trying to give is still focused on us. And in some ways, that is the issue. The issue is with the, the rich fool was that he was focused just on himself. He didn't care about anyone else. Our life is to be a life where we see what we have as something that is only here for a time. And it's not just for us that we can, can also give it and share it with others. Jesus doesn't ever tell the rich, that the ritual had to give up all of his grain. All he had to do was give up the extra grain that he had. He would have shown more kindness. And if his life was asked for him that night, he would not be looked on as a fool. So the real question is, especially in our society, what do our possessions mean to us? What are we doing with those that are in need among us? And how are we putting on Christ so that we can show the fruits of Christ? The great church father, St. Augustine, had some very prescient words about the rich fool and maybe about us as well. This is what he says. Obviously, he was not redeeming his soul by giving relief to the poor. He was hoarding perishable crops. I repeat, he was hoarding perishable crops. While he himself was on the point of perishing because he handed out nothing to the Lord before whom he was now to appear. How will he know where to look when at trial he starts hearing the words, I was hungry and you did not give me to eat? He did not realize that the bellies of the poor were much safer storerooms than his barns. In the rich man's, rich fool's greed, a bountiful harvest, a true blessing of God ended up wasted, which was not too different from the man himself. The question that the rich fool asked is the question that we ask today. 
what will we do? Thanks be to God. Amen.